When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, the sound of summer really, isn't it? And let's go down south. Here I am in Christchurch, and it's probably, what, a balmy 16, 17 degrees. Let's go down to Otago, where it'll be a balmy, what? You got the southerly racing through the township, Craig, coming. How is summer treating you down there? I think there's been more games rained off at Hagley than Uni Oval this year, especially domestically because we haven't played here, Louis. But you're only four hours away. It's like Christchurch is... That, that, you know, you're, we've actually today, I think, 22 right now. So, um, you know, when you get into a stage where you're always talking about or defending your weather, you know there's something wrong. And I, I don't defend <laughs> the weather in Dunedin, uh, but I do know no, that don't. all you do is head two, you, you head two hours inland and you're in a place called Central Otago, um, Louis, and that is still part of our region and it's the best part of the country to be all year round. Wow. Is this a new stance? We're live with Craig Cumming, by the way. And Is this a new stance of yours? Have you recently decided that Central Otago is the best part of New Zealand all year round? I mean, you used to be the, no, the mayor really. of Dunedin, so I'm just wondering when you got off that corner. No, no, it's, it's like you, know, you have your base, and then you don't want to live in that part all the time because you get used to it, but then you have that lovely okay. treat when you hit the Central Otago. You, you go in the middle of summer, you can go to Alexandra, Wanaka, not so much Queenstown, mm. I mean, that's very commercial, but... You've got the lakes, um, you've got that. And then, then the beautiful thing about winter is you get you get the reverse, don't you? You, you head in and you can you can go skiing, you can you can enjoy the cold, the frost, the whole frost. So you, you get the extremes, but you don't want to live in it. You want to live in that place where you're everywhere is nearly always better, Louis. And when it comes to the need, not as a place to live, but as in weather, everywhere else seems to be a little bit better, bar maybe Christchurch. I and can't. Auckland, <laughs> Auckland's, Auckland's, the, the irony, among, and this is not what we came on to talk about, any wow. Wellingtonian, and I used to get it, any Wellingtonian who talks about weather and runs other places down, like Wellington's weather is horrendous. It's probably the worst in the country. And if you want to live in Auckland, you get what you deserve. And that's obviously they've had a lot of wet. They get a lot of humidity. But Auckland is a place to live, right? Really? Where would you rather live? Um, down south where you've two traffic lights to work or get stuck in traffic for two hours and buy a camper van because you'll spend more time in it. Very endearing to the North Islanders ever is uh, Craig, Craig coming. <laughs> and don't get I'm me started on him. Has <laughs> is this, is this been a, like a, a, quite a hard pitch for uh, John Key and Baz McCullum to get into the Gibston Valley exclusive uh, Brethren Club there? Is, is that what this has been? Cause, well, I, I um, had to sign it, to be fair, Louis, I had to sign it off. Um, <laughs> you know, it came across the desk and uh, it was an opportunity. I mean, I, I know Baz is still, you know, he's got the key to the city because, you know, it's Brendan McCullum and, he should have sure. a couple of streets named after him. But um, what happens is, you know, that's not me, but I do sit above it and just tick those sort of things off. And, uh, you know, you've got to make sure that um, the yeah. right people get yes. the right things. And, and let's remember, Brendan's doing a great job. It's not for our country. It's for the English. So let's not, let's not praise him too much. We love Baz to bits, but he's still coaching England. And, and it's still a cross on, on the CV, in our opinion. Yeah, you're essentially like the governor. You really, it's not the mayor. You've almost become, you've, you're going one set. You're like the gov. All right, all right, Sid, slow down. Let's do this methodically. Yeah. Okay, so we are on the 16th of January. We've had 
Um, <laughs> we had a, a tour to Bangladesh, then we had Bangladesh here. Now we've got, and this is the black caps, obviously. We've got um, Pakistan here at the moment. We're a couple of T20s through. You've got one on your back doorstep tomorrow. Where are you at with the summer so far on the men's side of things? Are you enjoying it? Are the black caps playing well? Are you happy? Um, oh, it's a little bit tough because you're right. Um, it, it's sort of trying to keep track of it all. And you go back to really the World Cup where it was the pinnacle and I, I suppose we we ran the emotions high and, and next thing you know we're over in Bangladesh playing and it's like, oh gee whiz, and um, then they're back here. Literally three days later they both arrived back here and were playing a series and you know, I think both teams and, and the Black Caps might have been a little bit washed out. But what I've enjoyed in, in the last two, they've sort of in some ways regrouped and, and it feels like our summer has really started on the international stage. I mean, in behind it, we've got the domestic game um, flowing along. But uh, I, I've been really impressed in the last two games with the performances um, at Eden Park and then Sedham Park. Um, you know, the way they played, it looks like we've nearly got our strongest team out because at the moment, Louis, there's a lot of players coming and going, and and, and they have to, you know they look after the workloads and a few injuries, but. When you look at the side that's played the last two games, you get the feeling, bar maybe one or two, that this is our top team playing. They are getting prepared for a World Cup, so there's going to be an emphasis on the 2020. I thought the two performances probably, you know, really smart, good with the bat, uh, players playing their role, and then the bowling's been really impressive as well. So, um, you know, I feel like we're starting to see the best of the Black Caps, and maybe it's also coincides with they've got a bit more energy back. They're actually home. Yeah, they feel like they've been at home. They're starting to get used to being home again and we're starting to see those performances and we want to continue on because we've still got a lot of cricket to be played in the international game here for the rest of the summer and we've got some big challenges coming up and we want to be able to do well in those as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of something I wanted to talk to you about, Craig, because so we've got this the rest of this Pakistan series, which is actually still alive because they haven't been too far away and, and it could have been different. No. Um, so th- we've got that. that. We've got three of these to go. Then we go to play two test matches. Then we go to play three t- and against South Africa. Then we've got three T20s against Australia, then two tests again. Um, back in the day, we used to talk all the time about switching formats and modes of attack and mentality. But I think it's so normal these days that these cricketers could be playing test match cricket one day. Well, especially for New Zealand. I mean, obviously, England, you mentioned Baz. They kind of have two separate squads for each format, don't they? But these New Zealand cricketers, they really do know how to play all different formats in the same month, sometimes in the same week. And it's just not that, it's not that strange, is it? Well, it's not now. Um, it used to be. But we used to probably have those. It was, it was a bit more structured than it was. You'd start maybe a tour with... One T20, then you go into the one days and then you play a test match um, or, or maybe vice versa test matches and then um, white ball. Whereas now you're right, we're getting towards that pop in and it's literally T20. Um, then you get a, then all of a sudden you're into test matches against another nation. So um, these players, it's so much, I, I don't think for me it's so much about change of formats now. It's actually workload and I'm, I've got to be careful. I don't mean like we, you know, these guys get paid exceptionally well and but you look at someone like Devin Conway, um, last year I would say the guy played in six different competitions. He played um, all around the world. He's travelling. Like, he actually doesn't get a moment to probably unpack a suitcase at home and spend a bit of time just being normal outside of a, a performance environment. So that's the biggest challenge I think we've got in the game now is making sure that the players, not so much chopping formats, but actually making sure that they've got an opportunity to invest in their game, maybe get some practice in, 
and look after their body and mind and then get ready to go again. So sometimes the form or the dip in performance isn't so much around changing formats. It's probably the state of mind they're in because they don't get a break. I mean, how tough. Look, Australia and New Zealand, Australia won the World Cup and then three days later just about, and I think Travis Head walked out from the pub they were playing a series against India in a you know, different format in T20s, which was really tough. New Zealand literally got on the plane. Half the team flew to Bangladesh, and then the other half of the team flew over from New Zealand, and they didn't get a break. So that's the, the challenges they have at the moment in the inter, you know, with the windows. There are no windows anymore, and there, there's no structure to what's going on. So the players seem to adapt pretty quickly, but the question is also from a fan's point of view, we, we get pretty more washed over with it all as well. Yes, we do. Now, from use use your coaching, use your culture hat as well as your ex-players hat here and try to weigh it up for us. When you weigh up chemistry and continuity and having a, a same group of guys together, and, and you mentioned this Pakistan series has almost felt like the start of it all because we managed to get Daryl Mitchell and Kane Williamson back, and the lineup looks more like our best team, but then now some of them go out and we bring guys back in because of what you were just talking about. It's not burnout, but they do have to be careful that they can stay refreshed and, and have a zest for it. When you weigh those two things up, what do you think is more important, knowing that we have got test series coming up as well, and you want these guys to be around each other in good touch? And it's not like they're strangers, but there must be something to be said for playing a summer across formats as a team and as the same unit. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a really good question because I, I was thinking that the other day. Like, you know, how does Gary Stead, you know, even this series, they've got, you know, they're coming down here, like, to Dunedin, Kane's not coming. Um, now he, he's got a wee niggle anyway now, but he wasn't going to be playing this game. So the amount of changes that you have in your team, like, you know, Gary Stead must be super organised and super planned. And Because when you go down to breakfast when you're coaching domestically or, you know, you turn up and you know your team. You know, you know the 12 to 14 players that are going to be sitting at the table and having breakfast where, you know, they'll be going down to breakfast and someone's either flying in or flying out and, they must put a huge amount of work around the environment stuff and, and making sure players feel connected. And then you go to training and you've got some guys who have been playing, you know, the whole series. You might want a little bit. Then you've got someone like Will Young's coming into this game who's been in great domestic form, but maybe he wants to go to the nets and do a bit more and have a bit more of a conversation with the coaches about the role. So, you know, it'd be really fascinating to, to see what they do um, because they have to do it so well. Otherwise, it could, could turn into a travelling circus. And, and we're seeing with the performances that they, they aren't. So, you know, Gary Stead, you've, you've got to, you know, tip your hat to, to what he's doing within that team because players seem to come in and fit in straight away. They know their role straight away. Different story you like. You just said with, with Baz in England, like Baz is um, about to go to India with a test squad. And they just say we're in Dubai. You know, I think he's got a couple of weeks training camp there. So he's got his test players there and they're preparing with that group to go in and play, and, you know, it's a big challenge. Whereas Gary Stead's got two tests coming up with South Africa, and they haven't even named their side. Then literally what they might have, I don't know, a week's preparation, if they're lucky. Um, Brendan will be doing a huge amount around, you know, the, the spirit of the side, the culture of the side, and, you know, the team bonding. There'll be a lot of golf. Um, there'll be a lot of, a lot of enjoyment. But he's got that time, time to do that, um, and, and that plays a massive part um, and your performance, whereas Gary Stead doesn't have that luxury. Um, and, um, you know, again, even during the year, Brendan's got 
players in the England squad who don't play in the IPL because they're domestic and they're, they're their contracts with the ECB are big enough that they don't need to. Whereas Gary's got the challenge where domestic contracts are still, uh, international contracts are still very good with the Black Caps, but you know they still play in the IPL. We have situations where we tour England, you know, in that April-May window where we had players leaving the IPL on a Sunday, arriving in England on the Monday, and we had a test match starting on the Wednesday. Whereas the English players don't do that. They, they, they turn down IPL contracts because you know, their ECB contracts are so big. So, you know, you've got to take your hat off to, to Gary and, and his and his management and his crew um, for the work that they do because when you watch them, and I've just seen them turn up today, um, they're just here at Uni Oval. Um, I'm at the desk doing a bit of work, Louis, and, and, you know, they all seem smiley. They're all happy. They all know what they're doing. They all look organised. And, um, you know, that's a, that must take a huge amount of logistical work and, you know, great work from Gary and his team. Yeah, no, fair enough. And you, you've got the, uh, like, the, you can see the other side there. I'm sure you know exa- exactly how much logistical work goes into it. Now, if you think about what a settled squad would look like, and I'm talking like a full group across three three formats here, do you think if Gary could had everyone available, let's say health wasn't a factor, let's do a bit of a hypothetical here, across yep. T20 cricket, Test match cricket, because it seems like we're not playing for an ODI for a while, even though we just had an ODI World Cup. Um, we played them against Bangladesh. Do you think there are a couple, maybe more than a couple, of players that are undroppable slash pin, pinned in, vivided in to that 11 across all three formats? Or are we getting to a point now where if we had enough players, we would actually have different versions of squads? Yeah, so let's hypothetically say there's no leagues around the world and you're literally playing for New Zealand the whole time and every time you go on a tour, you have a break and then you pick a team for the Test, one day as and T20s. And the players so the players that would play for me that non-negotiable play all three formats um, would be, and also let's remember our real success in the Test game and the period we had our greatest success in the last sort of eight years Actually, was when we had test specialists. You know, you think about BJ Watling, you think about Neil Wagner, guys that just had an opportunity to focus on test matches. But let's say we're going to pick our most valuable players who are available for all three formats that would select. The non-negotiables, I would go, um, at the moment, Devin Conway would play all three three formats. Um, Kane Williamson, um, Daryl Mitchell. Um, I'm going to throw a bit of a smoky in there, and people might think it's a bit biased, but I just saw him at the gate. Glenn Phillips. Um, he would be playing now for me in all three formats. He'd be on my test side as well. Played three um, tests. You, Played three tests. Sid. Yep. Oh, I know, but he's earned that opportunity now, and he, he's a multi-skilled cricketer. He gives us the option with a spin bowling now, so if you pick him, he would be in my test side ahead of Henry Nichols. Um, and he gives you the option as an off-spinner, and he's becoming um, of international standard with his spin bowling, so he gives you that. If he hadn't have been injured and he was actually this player, Michael Bracewell would have been there. But at the moment, let's say he's not back into the mix. But um, And then bowling-wise, um, I would go Tim Southey and also Henry. So they are the, they're the players that I would say would be playing all three formats um, if available and would play non-negotiable. And then you would be bringing other players in to support them for the different formats that you're playing. Oh, Quite a few that is... Here, I think. Half a dozen, yeah. That's that's yep. interesting. H- half a dozen, double eight, double three. Is there? Do you agree with Craig coming here? There are half a dozen New Zealand cricketers that are pinned in 
if available for all three formats. That's it's probably more than I would have first thought, but I find it hard to pick holes because I had the same four batsmen, and I actually I was just um, giving you a bit of ribbing about Glenn Phillips. I just think he's kind of come of age to a point now where he is so mature and is so sure of his own game. He's, and here's the thing. He's played so much cricket around the world for a young guy. I actually think he's a total yeah. asset. And then how could you not have Tim Southey and Matt Henry still when they're mm. at this point in their career? I guess they are the first two bowlers on paper every day of the week at the moment, considering Trent Bolt's a, a freelancer. Yeah, I mean, I would have normally had Trent Bolt there. But I'm taking into consideration at the moment that Bolte is doing what he's doing. So, yeah, but normally I, I would have Bolte there for another 12 months. Um, Tim Southey, people might argue, and let's say the one-day game, um, might not be a starter. But I'd, if he's not a starter, he's actually always next one off the list. But I also think that he's going to be on every tour for every format. So, um, and I think he's just showing that one thing Tim is doing is he's he's not resting on his laurels. He's He's driven. He loves playing for the Black Caps. I, I reckon, you know, we've talked about players in the past who, you know, and again, Trent Bolt, um, you know, is, is off doing what he's done and he's earned that opportunity and, and has got a wonderful career and a huge amount of respect for that. But Tim Southey, you know, I hear him talk. Um, I see him. I see the way he plays. He loves, you know, for this country. He loves this team. He loves our country and he loves playing for them. And he wants, he's not driven by going to play in a league and, you know, maybe in Abu Dhabi or something, a, a T10 to make some cash. I, I think Tim is totally motivated by playing for the Black Cats, and he's always trying to improve. He's trying to get better. Um, he's a highly skilled cricketer. You go and watch him in the nets um, when he's bowling and the way he hoops the ball and the way he's working. So, you know, I just think, you know, when he retires, I mean, you know, he's been a, a divisive character around more batting, I think, than you think, you know. But when it comes to the skill that he operates with the ball, um, you know, he is... He, he deserves to be go down as one of our genuine greats, and his numbers are going to suggest that. But also, I think you know the attitude he does and he brings. He's a. I remember playing him in his first game actually here, uh, Uni Oval. I think it was his first game. I think I was his first first class wicket actually, Louis. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the young guy, the young guy that was there, and and growing up and seeing him mature over many years, and and you do, you always start young, and um, you know he's he's an absolute credit to. Everything that's good about the game, he's a credit to himself and his family, and um, you know he he he's but he's passionate about also helping other people, and you know probably gone off topic a bit there, but yeah, they, I mean Glenn Phillips to me is a non-negotiable now. Um, you saw the way he played in Bangladesh, you've seen what he's done in white ball, and you know in our test game we've got a we've got a position probably at five, um, and I think he's moved ahead of Henry Nichols by some stretch, so you know okay. he'd be locking, and and I think he's a he's a player that's only going to get better and better as well. You, now, we've, now we've gone off topic once. We might as well go off topic again. I'll let you, I'll let you carry on with your day. I know you need to get back to the work. but um, And I need to finish up with the uh, women's side just quickly in the White Ferns. But um, Glenn Phillips, has, do people around Otago or people around your offices, are, are the words future captain coming up? Um, not for the White Ferns, no. You said talking about the White Ferns, the ones coming, you said Glenn Phillips. So no, I, not unless you know something that I don't know. Louis, you know what sort of stage of the, no. stage of the world well, at the be... moment. I'm not going to say well, anything disparaging or, or make any judgment. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to play for the Black Caps and then play for the White Ferns. I don't think you can do that. But but watch the space because, hey, who knows where this world takes us. Um, I, I don't get in trouble for saying all that, do I? Um, no. I, no, I don't. I, I wouldn't say yet. Um, but gee whiz, you know, you, what are we doing? Future proofing, and I wouldn't say no. Um, and, and one thing I would say about 
Glenn, if he became a captain, gee, was it a bit exciting? Um, the way you want to play the game, um, especially That's the right. football game. You know, you know he's a. Uh, you know, as I said, he's played, he's been around a long, long time. He's played a huge amount of cricket. Um, I can tell you, actually, just a, he joined the Volts for two games in Alexandra and in, in Hamilton. He turned up for training about 40 minutes early for the Volts um, after the day after a game we played the next day. And he jumped in the nets, was happy to help out the Sparks. You know, what can I do? Can I help you? He came down before our game started. They were playing the second game. Um, was just there, there. He said, oh, do you want me to help in warm-ups? Do you want me to help with anything you want me to do? Throw some balls um, to to the girls, you know, do anything. I'm, I'm here. I can help out, you know. And so when you see that attitude, and I suppose it's the old, what can I do to help my team? Um, other sort of people that you want in your team, and that's the sort of person that you want as your leader in the future because a big part of leadership is providing inspiration. Um, and like Brendan does, like Brendan and I always said, you know, you could pull back the curtains and if he told you the sky was pink, you'd probably believe it. Um, you know, Glenn's got the ability to say, right, we're heading over to this tree and everyone would follow him. Whether it's the right well, tree or not, would not matter. I, you'd, you'd I just, it's just occurred to me over the probably the last, through the just before the World Cup, I said to Smithy, I think he's a future star. And then since then, just watching him a bit closer, I just think the way he's going about things, he's doing everything right to the point that, um, you know, former uh, New Zealand cricketers and people that think about the game deeply are suggesting he's undroppable in three formats. I just think he's one to watch for uh, higher um, honours at some really. stage. But, um, but and I, the one thing yeah. I don't know, I don't know about yes. him, just because I'm in the noise, is I don't know about his tactical ability. So as a captain, you've got to be good tactical. Sure. Like, you know, we know with Kane. But, but I would say through many years of experience in playing um, that he would develop that. But that would be the only one thing. But knowing... And he'd be learning and growing pretty quickly. So, um, you know, the other thing is also, you know, the question is some people like the freedom of just playing and like the freedom of just going out and expressing themselves. That doesn't automatically mean they're going to be good captains. And sometimes you've got to be careful because you don't want Glenn Phillips to lose that freedom and go out and, and be a match winner because he might, he might be a person that, if he got given the armband, that could also stifle him because... You know, it's just not something that fits with him. So these are wee things I don't know, having not been around. But, um, you know, in saying that, I'm sure over time, that's part of developing leadership and helping them grow is that you, you, you start entrusting that. But from the, the core, what you're talking about, the core skills or the core attributes of a leader, as I said, if Glenn Phillips said to me right now, hey, BCC, we're going to head over that tree and I believe if we go over there, whatever happens, I reckon I'd follow him and I'd follow him. I'd do well to keep up with him because he's pretty quick. But, yeah. I, but he's the kind of guy, if he said that, I would follow. And, and that's one of the great attributes of, of a leader. Yeah, no, yeah, making perfect sense to me anyway, Craig. I wonder if people agree. Double eight, double three. Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Are we are we way off? Are we way off track here, or can you see that around Glenn Phillips? And a text has come through. Hi, Louis. Can you ask Craig before he goes if he's confident his Sparks will make the playoffs? So you guys are in the fight. How close are you? Oh yeah, absolutely. In the fight, we've got two games left. Um, there's a little bit. There's a couple of scenarios. One, if we win both games, um, I think we're guaranteed to finish second. Um, if we win one game, uh, depending which one which one it is, we've, we've still got a very good chance. But that means we also will have to depend on um, a couple of other results. So um, one one will put a, put a bit of grey. Two will guarantee us. So I think if we win two of the last two, we we'll guarantee to finish. Second, because at the moment we're third and we go ahead of CD, who we play next. And then um, you, if you win the last one, you've got to stay ahead of them. So 
Um, yeah, but it's, I, I don't look at tables when I'm talking about the way we play. I'm more interested in how we're playing. And, you know, last game was a really tough one and we lost in the last over. But when you look at where we are, or we are in the women's game, it was a good reminder to me that we needed 10 off the last over. <laughs> it was a, it was a wicket made, which is, you know, does not happen very often. But when you go in the changing room and you see the emotion, you still got to remember we are, um, as a group, still learning and developing. And, and in a women's game, our, our cricket EQ is still quite low because we don't play a huge amount. So that was a good reminder uh, to me about what the core role that I'm here for is making sure our players are developing and learning. And, um, yeah, winning is important, but it's not that important as, as getting players understanding what they're doing and how because in the future uh, they will be better. But to answer that question, yeah, I'm still pretty confident that uh, if we play to our potential and we play as well as we can, we're good enough to um, to get the scoreboard on our side and, and get into the playoffs. All right. All, all, all the yeah, well, obviously all the all the best for that, Craig. Um, hopefully you you guys do that and you can power through towards that uh, series and have a couple of Otago players representing. You can't say uh, that because if, if if we get into the playoffs, it means we not Can- Canterbury won't make it. Really. Do you know what? I'll, I'll sacrifice you've just that. For half an hour of your very good time, for free. <laughs> so sometimes there's a tax on things, and and if that's what that was, it's been very good, Craig. Um, no, some interesting thoughts there. You're always a deep thinker about it. It's good to catch up with you during these times, the uh, the summer months, because you always throw a couple of curveballs, a couple of ones out the back <laughs> of the hand, and um, and it's good good for thought, good food for thought, mate. Enjoy the rest of oh, the summer. Go. We'll probably talk again. You got to go. Okay. Yeah, See you I'll later. Go, I'll go jump. In, I'll go jump in the car and listen to the feedback about some of the random things I've talked about.